What's up, everybody? I go by the name of Domo. And I go by the name of Yoshiko. We sit with entrepreneurs and artists across disciplines to share their stories, insight, and gems. Their journey will inspire you to think about community and your own narrative, how it shapes who you are, and what your legacy will be. You're listening to No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. You are listening to No Blueprint. How did the Ube, Ube Cheesecake come along? Okay. How did it? Okay, so we actually did that. We did the Ube Cheesecake October 2013. It was the second pop-up. Okay. Um, it was the, the pop-up after the first one when we said we're never doing that again. That was really hard. <laughs> um, and then... I grew so in the Philippines. I uh, grew up eating this ube dessert called halayat, and you know it's like a kind of like a caramelly, soft caramel, purple yam dessert, similar to a caramel. You know, you have to keep stirring, or it's going to burn on the bottom. So that was my job. I like my mom was like, okay, I put everything in, and then she would make me like stand on the um, the chair and just like stir. stir you stir, always stir. get the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so. I just remember being like, you know, I love that, and then I love cheesecake, and we're here just trying to figure out what would be fun. And so I remember saying, what about ube cheesecake? And then I went on Google, and I just Googled it. And there was a blogger that had a recipe, and I think that there, we had, I found one person in, like, New Jersey that had made it. So I went, and I, I did the blogger's recipe, and I was like, it's okay. And then I just... Like I said, okay, I'm not gonna make an ube cheesecake. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna try to make the best New York style vanilla cheesecake first. Okay. okay. Like yeah. do that. Don't try try to tweak it. And when I felt like I made that, then I decided. You know, then I started adding the ube. But so it took a while. Like it took you know a couple try a few not a couple many few, many tries many, like i don't know who was, who was we eating conceptualizing who was eating the, these these tries <laughs> he was and he's not a big dessert guy and i and i think once you know i i got the last one before it got the thumbs up yeah. i just made like a few cut it up in slices and that was the dessert for yeah. the second pop-up and then I thought we were done. Like, we were going to move on to the next. Every month was a different menu, right? And then, like, people would, like, started coming to the next few ones asking for it because they had seen it on Instagram. And then then I started, like, getting hit up on Facebook. Like, hey, you know, I want... Can I can I order one? Like started like slanging them out the house. And then after a while, it kind of got to a point where... You know, this guy was like, I think you might be onto something. Yeah, it was a no. I, it was almost like, you know, when someone has an accidental hit song that isn't really like a, a musician, <laughs> yeah. and then they end up having, then they got to rush out the album. Say it's um, a hit. And then um, the next thing you know, Cardi B. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but it was, it was like that. It was like it was like Bodak Purple. Right. Um, <laughs> listen, listen. Like, oh my may, God. We may, we may have something with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, none of us are professionally trained. I mean, it was just we 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 made what we liked. And I heard someone use the hashtag Hood Famous, and yes. folks started using the hashtag Hood Famous. It was Harry. Harry yeah. Clean. Yes. Yeah. Harry Clean. Paraphrasing. I don't think he actually said the word Hood Famous. Like, but he said something to the effect of like. Yeah, y'all, y'all are getting hella famous and shout out to Harry. Cohen. Yeah, and so I, I playfully called it 
shares it, you know, it, to kind of poke poke fun at like other folks who name their desserts. That, that includes, yeah, it always includes the word so famous. famous. Yeah. Um, and their name. Hence food and shit. Yeah. Like. What are some of the biggest ways that your Filipino culture inspires what y'all do? Oh man, a lot. I think it's, it's a driving force and you know, a lot of what we do in as far as like every pop-up had a write-up right and so it was really beautiful and, and Gio would do the write-up everything every month for food and shit was thematic mm-hmm. right and so it was a way to share our personal connection to our culture but also to talk about history and talk about politics talk about you know land I remember when we were so we went on this exposure trip and brought our kids and we learned a lot of things and our and our kids had a great time and one of the things that stand out is the issue around heirloom rice hmm. and how you've got these like ancestral rice hmm. that families have been planting time and time again and then you have these big this big corporation Monsanto who's basically patenting Mm. The, this right the saying DNA, that it's like, the DNA of the rice and saying it's DNA. that it's theirs when wow. this is ancestral like centuries old rice that you know like Philippines is known for the Banawe rice terraces mm. right and then you've got these farmers who it's their it's their rice and they can't even like afford to buy like they'll cultivate it and they'll sell it but like they would buy rice from Thailand mm-hmm. because there's this like vicious cycle of like one they can't they get sued wow. to to like mm-hmm. harvest their own rice because it's not supposedly theirs because it's patented. Right. So we learn a lot about like how food and land like mm-hmm. re- like a real connection and the poli- the politics around that to just you know the nostalgia of like comfort food and like growing up and being away from your homeland and how food kind of helps you one way if you can't afford to go back brings you closer to your home your homeland so there's a spectrum of things that like i think the pop-up allowed us to do and message and allowed us to share with the general public and 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 our culture had everything to do with that right so it was yeah it was meaningful yeah, and it was at the center of everything, really, which wasn't a stretch because I think even before doing any of this food stuff publicly, we were already organizing in the community mm-hmm. very much, mm-hmm. promoting campaigns that had to do with any human rights and justice for what's going on in the Philippines, advocating for that national democracy in the Philippines, the land rights prior to any of the food issues, but which were food issues were always always also connected with any of these campaigns on some level and the most effective way to organize even within our organizing (laughs) circles is to make sure that That we're feeding ourselves yeah and in in fact i probably would have never i probably would have just been an ally (laughs) to the movement if there was if i went to like the 
if I made it to a third meeting in a row with no food there. Absolutely. Right. I would have been like, yo, this is a, this is a movement yeah. for somebody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm hungry. My yeah. stomach is growling these uh, meetings. And it was actually, the, it, prior to the pop-up, it was spaces like that. It was like the, these just like family weekend, doing the same things that I grew up in, in the community. Uh, in Hawaii and in Bremerton, uh, just a bunch of Filipino families getting together. You went back to school, right? In- uh-huh, yeah, before, in the same year that Foodish started, but yeah. before, uh, in the springtime um, of that same year, I I dropped out. I didn't mean to drop out. I, I took a break when I got a full-time gig at the Wing Luke Asian Museum. And also was trying to pursue the music on the side. The music took off. Quit my job at the museum after four years, and it was always like, it's just one quarter. I'm gonna go back. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go back, especially with my mom's and pops in my ear all the time. <laughs> <laughs> shout out, shout <laughs> yeah. out to mom and pop. Yeah, like no matter. I go on like tours where we're like selling out venues. I'll come back from that tour from like a 48 city tour, and. <clears throat> And doing well, like making enough to like be able to just like chill and provide for a while. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, "So when you going back to school?" Oh man! <laughs> so when you're gonna get a real yeah, job? Yeah, <laughs> when you're gonna get, yeah. Uh, but you know, in in part, probably due to those voices of my my parents in my head, and hearing hearing that and knowing everything that they work hard for on one hand, but also just for myself on a personal level, just Absolutely. on something like yo. Finish what you started. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Don't let not only other people sacrifice, but your time and effort that you sacrifice get you to a halfway point or right. to a almost finished point to a 99% downloaded and then you press power and turn it off. Like you don't, you just don't do that. It's a, it's a personal philosophy thing. So um, shout out to all the people at UW who remain connected with your boy and kept checking in with me everyone from like Dr. Rick Bonus. Shout out to uh, Bonus. Yeah, the homie uh, third who was teaching the chick class who was always in my ear to everybody up in the ECC, the OMA, who cumulatively like all passed me information that made it so that in 2013 I found out like some of the requirements had been dropped. Yeah. And and, uh, that I would be given any assistance and help that I needed to make sure that I I could graduate in the, with the minimal amount of time. If UW FASA just celebrated their centennial, And Filipinos have been in the Northwest for over a hundred years. I'm sure your parents heard from other folks of just like, is he, mm. did he finish? Did he go to the end of it? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put the full court press. No, yeah, it, was. it was. It was funny, man. We had. I have so I have my graduation party. I'm here like I'm 33 years old having a graduate a college graduation we had party. The best graduation. And party. my mom, yeah, my my parents went all out. They cooked like, <laughs> so much food, and they, they yeah they treated it as if like I was 22. <laughs> Uh, they bought they bought me like hella my, not just them too but, but the entire family but like I was stacked hella up to lays. my ears and lays yeah um, especially the the one the ones made out of, out of one dollar and twenty dollar bills there it is you, you bring up all types of memories from 2013 <laughs> that that was just a pivotal year I think in all our lives 
we've we've been together for a long time, but it really wasn't until the the food thing. Uh, even when we were both organizing, we weren't ever in the same organization. Like I was in Anakbaya and she was uh, in Gabriella. And we would work on the same campaigns, but like in different uh, organizations. Uh, and we obviously collaborate on parenting. Like that's a, <laughs> that is a, a, a definite collaborative project. Yes. Um, but as far as something like that's, that's an actual day-to-day public creative outlet thing, it took us like more than half of our lives to get to a point uh, with the food and shit and the bake shop where we're channeling a lot of our our energy creatively as in all the strengths that come with the relationship and then all the the challenges that come with it too and um, how to like compartmentalize and separate from running a, a business a project like this as a business Absolutely. all culminated in that year and it the the finishing school did have something to do with it the, the fact that it was our 10 year anniversary had a lot to do with it the where the neighborhood was at i feel like maybe this you know with all the changes that was going on and still going on in the city uh, you could look back now five years and be like yo that was both the end of an era for Mm. you know a kind of Seattle and the beginning of a, a new thing or at least like the the ha- the transitional period um, so many people who live in parts of the city in 2013 are no longer there yeah. uh, us us ourselves included yeah. you know yo it's crazy to think that that was five years ago because it feels like it wasn't that long ago was, it feels like it was last year it, mm-hmm. but at the same time when you see how much has changed it's almost like a whole different city not a whole different but like it's like a like a bizarro world ver- like we're living in the bizarro world version of of what it was then Absolutely. like uh, everything you, that's happening now if you would have told me was gonna happen back in 2013 on one hand i'll be like you know i can see it going that direction but i still would have been shocked to have known that it would turn out this way yeah that's real how did y'all end up in ballet? We got asked that a lot, actually. I think we try to ask a lot of folks that we respected and had just had lots of experience in the food industry. You know, what can you what can you share with us? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, given that this industry has what are the highest failure rates in, in business? I think it's like over eighty percent of of businesses fail. Food businesses fail. And I'm like, I, I quit my state job. We've got two kids. It's not like, you know, he's some tech dude making. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, we're no. both self-employed. <laughs> and so I was really worried. Uh, so we would ask a lot of, just ask some, some folks. And I remember having the opportunity like to sit down with uh, Chef Roy Choi um, down in LA. And we were lucky enough to be invited to do a pop-up at, at Pot at the Line Hotel there. Super fun. And as a part of the preparation, like uh, we had an opportunity just to sit down for dinner. And I just asked him about his experience. And I just remember something that he said, and he goes, you know, don't be afraid to just start small. Don't worry about all the making the the place look 
fancy or like, you know, just grow and make sure that, you know, you guys have your own brand. Like you don't have to go and buy somebody's restaurant. You don't have to go and, and take out this like $200,000 loan, which we had, you know, seen like friends who were, you know, in the food industry also like struggling with it. And I think what the public doesn't like see, you know, or, or folks that aren't on the back end business of food because it's such a hospitality industry, you know, when everyone's having fun, like we're working usually, right? Or, you know, it's it's very much a service industry. We're serving folks. And so we were looking around for a couple years and wanted to obviously be in our neighborhood. We were in Beacon Hill, right? Mm-hmm. We started off. We couldn't find anything in the neighborhood that was really something that we could afford. Mm -hmm. There was definitely low rent places, but you had to have a lot of capital to bring it up to code or it didn't have the kitchen or it didn't have the hood or, and there's not a lot of places even on Beacon Hill. Real estate was really in general. And so I remember we're going online and uh, a friend had connected me with a broker who was, uh, had done a lot of work with other like community, like small businesses, knew about Chinatown ID businesses and we were like oh we want to we want like let's look there um let's and then she started kind of giving us some places that we can look at but i was like man can't afford these looked online and i found this 500 square foot built out kitchen in ballard of all places (laughs) but it was a basement underneath a bar and i said it it literally was a box it wasn't pretty but I, I emailed our broker and I was like, can you show us the spot? So we went in and I just looked at Gio and I'm like, what do you think? And and I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's, not, it's not pretty. But if you know anything about the food industry, to go into a spot where A, you don't have to buy anybody out, mm-hmm. B, everything's there, you've got all the permits ready to go, yeah. the use of it is, is for a kitchen, and it's in a decent location. Yeah. Rent, surprisingly, was affordable. Wow. And then all we had to do was put in an oven and refrigerators and shelves and a baker's table. Really. And so we thought about it because we were like, fuck, (laughs) do we want to go to Ballard, right? Mm -hmm. And I just remember hearing a lot of the advice of people and just like, there is no, just start small, you know, build. We pulled, we pulled, you know, we said yes. And then it it ended up being, I think, one of the best decisions that we've done for the business because we were able to keep overhead low. Yep. We were still able to, you know, have a staff that was manageable and then grow slowly from there. And okay. so, and then, and then that was all, and the plan is always to come back south. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, even speaking of the building code thing, I know that's something we spoke about with Shift Art too. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that's, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Waiting on black and tan. Waiting on black and tan. <laughs> and then when we spoke about doing the podcast, you told me it's a good time to reflect on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I would have asked you to do it a year ago, it would have been a completely different story. What happened in year one? And then what happened in year two to change the story? Yeah. Year one, 
Year one, I I feel bad. I kind of left Shara uh, like high and dry when I couldn't take it no more. And I was like, I need to be in the back. Because at one point, I was like not only doing a lot of the, the maintenance up there. And, you know, I, I was a big part of the build out. I would say it was a it was a family effort. We you know we didn't hire no contractors. A lot of that equipment, like me, Shara's dad, Shara's brothers, brought in ourselves. Oh, you know, there's some things yeah. that other the professionals did, but at that point, I had been so far removed from a lot of the other creative outlets I was in, from the the music and writing to the photography, to even food and shit itself, like the other food part the other side of this food hustle mm. and yeah, I I felt like you know f although the the business itself might take a hit I felt like we're, we're up and running mm. now is a good time for me to not be working the counter to uh, ease ease back like let's let's actually build a team or like give more responsibility to the team same with Shara and her roles and let me do what I do best, and which will indirectly help the business as well. This is this is a podcast about entrepreneurship. That's, yes, absolutely. And I, I spent some time, like you know, watching a lot of the episodes and stuff. And I think one of the things is we all need to be inspired. Absolutely. And we like. No one should ever tell us, like, oh, that's going to be too hard, don't do it. But at the same time, I think folks should really, really internalize, like, that it is not a glamorous, mm -hmm. it is not a glamorous life. I think in this, like, Instagram world, right, you see brands that, you know, will, will like, make you think, oh, the owners like you know on the beach all the time or like just having right. so much you know this this grand life and and there's a lot of perks to working for yourself and and i think it would be really hard for me to work a nine to five That's after it. you know after starting a business but it is the hardest thing i've ever done in my life and i think it is constant choices and those choices not only impact you but impact if you have a staff it is constantly putting your own values to the table at every decision that you make because in, in a small way every business owner is a small capitalist Absolutely. and having had a consciousness and understanding and a political viewpoint for so long and then having and being a business owner you know is nowhere near like you know we talk about this like capitalism in its onset was actually revolutionary in its time yeah. right from the society and like the that it was coming from but it's when it started becoming monopolized right, right? monopoly capitalism mm -hmm. fucked everything up but to like work for yourself and employ other people and like earn a living in a small scale there's really that's that's what drives our economy, right? So I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is that it's it isn't as glamorous. And yeah. I think like I really encourage folks. I think we all need to 
try to figure out a way to be our own small business Mm -hmm. even if it's like consulting on the side or whatever there's so many benefits for communities of color to understand the power in holding kind of even like a micro economy or holding your own the valuing your own labor Mm -hmm. because we're so creative Mm -hmm. and oftentimes our creativity gets exploited for the benefit and the profit of other folks and so that are what more well capitalized or whatnot but on the flip side you know when Ju was talking about like it's hard it's really hard and so you know I try to talk to a lot of other folks in the food industry too and a lot of POCs like just because we need each other and we need to support one another collaborate and like understand that it's not easy but it can be done and like it's one of those things like you know it's like the mother that like says oh mothering so great and so but really like you know they're like having a really hard like i was always that mother that wanted to be like it is freaking hard (laughs) with so much community and so many homies that look up to y'all how do you navigate the homie hookup and the homie that's like yo but i've been there forever let me just just slide me a couple of uber cheesecakes can you come can you come to the party and bring a couple of them cheesecakes through (laughs) (laughs) you know i i've the it's it's a good problem. It, it, it is. It is. You know, I I've had to deal with this on on an even grander scale with, with the music thing. Guest list. What's up with the guest list? Uh, and it's 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 flattering. You know, it's but at the same time, I think it's. You do got to be real uh, with folks and and let them know that you know this is you're not. I, I'm sure we we know we have homies that are like doctors. You know we're we're not we're not hitting them hitting up like our. Oh doctor's my knee hurts. Yeah. Like, hey man, can you do the surgery on me real quick? Right. Yeah, yeah, get this Free done. Yeah. 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 We donate a lot. I mean, I think it's come to the point where I think I, I said yes to every donation that was asked of us uh, for the first yeah, few why years. Do you do that? Oh, I, was about, <laughs> I was about to say, are you still saying yes but, to every donation? But it, it is coming to a point where you know, I got I got a request this morning to donate to an like nine lives cat a cat organization, and yeah. and it's um, it just kind of gives you the extent of like. You know the spectrum of it'll be great exposure asking. for for hood um, speakers. Yeah, and that's important. Like every you know, the thing is, like everybody's got their important thing to right. them, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think what we're doing now is, I would really encourage other business owners who have kind of a donation policy to do this because I wish we did this early mm. on. It was more of a unofficial thing, but to officialize like. What are the the main organizations or your the main things that you find important to you mm. and as an organization and that you just be clear and you communicate these are I find youth mm-hmm. um, you know women's uh, issues or whatever it is and this is what we're prioritizing and we have a budget 
for any given month or quarter or year. And once that's up, it's up. That is a and, gem. <laughs> yeah, and like gem. we're even coming to the point where because we have such a small staff that I can't like respond to all the donation requests in a timely manner that we're going to say all donation requests are going to be reviewed at this week mm -hmm. and everybody will be notified the week after for our donation like whatever for this quarter mm -hmm. and it seems like super i don't know like institutionalized but in all honesty when you talk about the balance yeah. of our own like work-life balance our own mental health yeah. our own like when you're in a position to give and you want to give yeah. but you can only give so much like i think it's just the more honest and clear you can communicate what you can give mm -hmm. and be forthright in that just like a relationship to be like man this is what i can give <laughs> right. Right, right, <laughs> and right. like that honesty yeah. can go a long way yeah. And, I'm um, out. Stop asking. And like the stuff. people, and like the people that are organized enough to ask early will yeah. benefit from that. Like somebody who's asking, "Can I get, you know, can I get this hookup or can I get this donation, like, you know, this Friday?" Right. Like, right. I, can't, you know, unfortunately, right. we've already made nah. that decision last yeah. month. You, it's an automatic nah. Absolutely. And, What's next for Hood Famous Bake Shop and food and shit, and how can people stay in touch? We've got a lot of, we've got something really, really exciting that's coming out this fall. We aren't quite ready to publicly announce, but we're excited to expand. Okay. Mm hmm All right. And that's pretty much most of it <laughs> and it does take so much work behind the scenes to even set yourself up to do so so it's always been part of the plan you know uh, as much as ballard is is starting to, to to be a stable thing and and it's still at a point where it's growing yeah. it's you know we we want to see more spaces and more reflections of the different ideas that that we have for what the bake shop could be and then food and shit just we just had the first pop-up in almost two years shout out to the heyday crew in uh, mount baker leshai wherever that borderline of those two neighborhoods are but they let us in uh and, and do our thing and it was it's planned to be a one-off uh there's nothing else on the calendar for food and shit but okay. that night and that venue was magical. I did wake up the next. I usually wake up the next morning after a pop up. Like, all right, I don't want to do this for a while. Um, but I woke up the next morning thinking about the possibility of doing another one if the time was right. But in the meantime, I'm going to use food and shit as a platform to uh, just support community events. Like I just uh, did a. Um, catered for a studio tour for Kiro Northwest and mm -hmm. the Sudakawa family right. over the past weekend. Going to be collaborating with, hopefully, it, there's been a food and shit feast collaboration mm -hmm. in the making for a long time. Shout out to Feast. Shout out to Feast. Yeah. Uh, and you'll be hearing more about that as, as more planning comes together. Um, Totem Star as well. Hawk. A shout to Pog and Total again, and yeah. then to Total Star. We've been talking about doing something, uh, bringing music and youth yes. and food together. 
Uh, so that's where food is going to continue. It might. He was like, it's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. And then as for her famous bake shop, I think has a good thriving social media presence. Mm-hmm. And shout out to the, my sister Janelle, who plays a big role in that, yes. and sharing her voice and personality that plays into that. And I'm here in the background, just like feeling like a, a proud grandparent because I was there in the initial stages of like yes. setting the branding in motion. Nice. Oh, I don't even like saying the word branding. But you know, I gotta say what it is. It's yeah. it's it's a tight it's a very good communication that's a good reflection of who we are Absolutely. and uh what we're trying to do. Food and shit is uh, goes in and out of because I had run it myself and then I I definitely did get social media fatigue. I lurk and keep up with what other people are up to. But if you want to keep up with what I'm up to, yeah, I guess you can follow me on Prometheus Brown, all these things, but you're not going to get much. Uh, follow follow the people that I hang out with and see on a daily and weekly basis, and you might see me pop up on their feed, whether that's, yeah, the, I don't know. Definitely hood famous bass shop. Uh, in, in the meantime, if you don't hear from me, just know that I'm out there at my homies' events playing a supportive role. Absolutely. And we appreciate you. We appreciate y'all, both of y'all. We appreciate your time for sure. Thank and so you. thank y'all both so much. Thanks. Yes. Thank you guys. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. If you liked what you heard, be sure to donate so we can keep going. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube, so be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. You have no idea how much it helps. We also want to know what you think. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can even use the hashtag NoBlueprint. And if you're really down with the movement, you can join our Patreon account and become a patron, where you'll get exclusive content and limited edition merchandise. No Blueprint is powered by Ambassador Stories. We share stories of the people, places, and spaces that bring soul to our communities. No Blueprint is recorded at Ambassador Stories Studios and co-produced with me, Mayawa Aina. Hear more episodes of No Blueprint and get official No Blueprint merchandise at noblueprintpodcast.com. <laughs>